uh, I, I don't know how it actually happened, but it, I'm modeling lightsaber hilts for him now. And, he, and they're actually working on the first concept. Um, I call it concept one because it sounds like a cool car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it's getting, it's getting close to manufacture or production time. So Man, that's cool. That's so I'm going to be able to hold a lightsaber that I made. Yeah, that's <laughs> nuts to me. Like, that's the dream. Does that make me a Jedi? Welcome to Creative Insanity. Of insanity. Hey, I'm Servant. I am a rap artist, producer, and creative freelancer in Canada, and welcome to Creative Insanity. My guest today is the one and only Daniel Grove, a photographer extraordinaire based in San Antonio, Texas, who has me in complete awe. He is a family man. He is someone who knows how to hustle. He runs his own business. He's a busy dude. In his heart, he is a multi-talented artist who not only does photography, but he's gotten into videography and he does Blender, VFX, and he does his own music. When I talked to Daniel, something I wanted to get to know more about was the balance between life and creativity, you know, family life and creativity. But what we wound up getting into was so much more. It's honestly really tough for me to come up with a title for this podcast because there's so much general wisdom. Fun fact, I always edit my episodes and it seems like every interview I have, there's always something I got to pull out just to make it more cohesive and make it a better listening experience. But this is one of the rare examples where I literally didn't edit anything out. The conversation flowed so naturally. He was such a great guest to have on. If you need a general shot of encouragement or creative inspiration, this is the episode to listen to. Let Daniel Grove walk you through it. So Daniel Grove, the one and only, the mighty Daniel Grove, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Please, please, just call me Daniel Grove the mighty. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm really glad that you're here. Um, I'm doing fewer and fewer of these podcasts these days because I'm getting really picky. I'm really just trying to talk to people I'm really interested in talking to. Not to say any of my previous guests haven't been that. It's just, I had this hustle mentality Mm -hmm. before, like, man, I could talk to this person, this person, and learn about this and learn about that. But when I sat back for a minute and really thought, who do I actually want to talk to? What do I actually want to learn? And who would really be interesting for me? Like, forget about the viewers, just for me. That to Mm -hmm. me, it all centered in on you for this conversation, because you're doing a lot of things that I'd like to do. And I feel like there's a lot I can learn from you. Cool. Well, ask away. What do you, I'm an open book. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So first of all, why don't you just tell me a bit about what you're doing now? Because when I met you, um, first of all, you had me on your podcast a while back. I met you through. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I really loved it. It kind of what set me off on thinking like I could do a podcast maybe, but. Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I should be a little bit frustrated about that but hey it's it's learning it's good i like it but i met you with the uh lead of battle angel it was like a fan club group or something through facebook that you had joined to kind of share some of your artwork you had done some uh specialized photography for it and i was just kind of sussing the situation out because i was working on my elite battle angel project on the side and then yeah you just sort of blew me away with your photography work (laughs) and where were you at there creatively and where are you at now because you've been growing a lot 
Yeah, man, I, I wish I had snapshots of where I was at in each like month or phase of my photography journey. Um, I, I can't really answer. I don't remember <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I mean, that photo shoot was just a passion project I did for fun because I love the cyborg art style. I love sci-fi. I love the movie. And my friend that I had photographed was in the movie and she didn't get the prosthetic robot arm that she was you know hinted at that Weta, Weta Digital was going to give her robot arm, but she didn't have enough screen time to to justify the work, I guess. So she she didn't get a cyborg body part. So I said, you know what? I'll take care of you. I, I can make that happen in Photoshop. So yeah, that that's where that shoot came out of, and uh, and that's you know that's what you saw, and that's how we connected. Um, but uh, I've definitely been growing a lot, uh, a lot of side hustles that are still centered around my photography skill set. Um, I'm doing a lot more videography lately, and uh, really just establishing my brand that I'm like the go-to guy, you know, for this type of creative, you know, out of the box kind of work. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that shoot was a, a really good experiment too, for to see if, if I could do it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you could. And it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. You're very active on social media. It's like, you're kind of like an opposite version of me where I, <laughs> I very begrudgingly, if ever put things on social media i really oh, overpost sorry <laughs> no but i don't mind because the content's actually good so like for the frequency that i check facebook there's always something new from you and sometimes it's like <laughs> it's fun things that you've been doing with your family your mm -hmm. dad you got a lot of kids you know sometimes it's your photography stuff sometimes it's new projects you're working on um it's like you're constantly updating interesting things like you've got new lightsabers mm -hmm. you're playing with I, I find yeah. that stuff or weird dreams. My weird dream posts. Yeah, those are fun. The weird dream posts are cool. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those. It's <laughs> it's interesting. Like, why do you do that? Why do you share so much? I guess I share things that I would like to see. You know, I want to know people. I'm like a super people person, maybe to the point of being nosy, but I've learned to not be like a rude nosy person. But <laughs> inside my head, like I want to know everything about someone when I first meet them. And so I kind of assume, you know, maybe I'm living vicariously through my viewers hmm. um, and that I, I would like to see, you know, what, what they're doing with their kids. I want to see what creative stuff they're proud of, what new achievements they've made, or if they're struggling with something, I want to know that too. Um, so yeah, I just, I just like to share stuff that entertains me really. Uh, it's kind of like my art. Like I make stuff that tickles my entertain, my, my imagination. It hmm. makes me happy as an artist. Um, so I post things that entertain me, make me laugh that, cause I assume people like them and they do. I have a lot of people that say, I, I look forward to your posts, you know, and so yeah. kind of keeps me going. <laughs> yeah. Cause you do get a lot of engagement with your posts because they are exactly that. Mm -hmm. They are fun. They are interesting and entertaining and they kind of capture a lot of little moments and some of the bigger moments in life too. And yeah. it just makes me think like what a great skill set it is to be able to do that. It's something I envy because- I have this proclivity to not want to share. I feel like mm. I kind of feel this um, tension between me and social media where I've leaned on it in the past as a kind of way to reach out when things are not great. As a teenager, I, I got into it and thought that you could just post whatever you wanted. And so it sort of turned into this negative thing for me. Like I would post something negative and get a reaction or a sympathy from people and attention from people. And it's not, mm -hmm. it's not a mature, healthy way to do things. So as I've grown up, it's I've, healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I've stopped doing that, the odd incursion now and again. But it's like this sort of thing for me, it's like a portal that if I look at it, 
I don't have good feelings for that, but I, I get good feelings out of reading your posts and some of my other friends and whatnot. Yeah. But just for myself, it's really tough because I'm an artist and there are a lot of people who do want to know what I'm up to. They do want to see, you know, what am I working mm -hmm. on behind yeah. the scenes? And, and so it's kind of like, I got to get over myself just to do it. But, um, I guess maybe that's just an attitude. What would you say? Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I love attention. <laughs> uh, at least I'm humble enough to admit that I'm a little conceited. I don't know if that's what that is. Um, you know, it's half that, but it's half I know people like the stuff that I post, so I, I keep doing it. But um, yeah, I know I, I like uh, attention. I'm um, definitely an extrovert. Would you consider yourself an introvert, extrovert, ambivert? What do you think you are? It's a tough question. So most people who know me would say extrovert. Um, I think extrovert is pretty fair, but I certainly do still need a bit of time to myself. Just not a lot. I, yeah, I like talking to <laughs> a variety of people. It's why I like doing the podcast because I get to talk to interesting people. Um, talking to my wife all the time. Yeah. If I, if I get a day by myself and we're both dads, so we know this doesn't happen much, but if I get that time, <laughs> I basically will be really creative, you know, I'll spend a couple hours doing something mm -hmm. and then I'll either go for a walk yeah. or I'll call a friend and I'll talk to them for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, and then I'm back at it and then I'm hustling for a while. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like I, I need to go into my cave and then I'll come out and be social and want to talk about it, but not mm -hmm. the same dynamic when it comes to you social. You sound like an media. ambivert, a little bit of both. It could be. All the yeah. tests say very extroverted, but... Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a personality temperament thing. Um, we, we did a test at my church uh, called the Enneagram. And it's basically like nine basic types of your personality that, you know, you're, you're major, you're, you major in one, and then you kind of minor in a secondary number. So like, I'm a three with like a wing or a, you know, a side piece mm -hmm. of, I think nine, I don't remember what the descriptions of they all are. But I remember my, I think my main thing was a three. And when I read it, I was like, yeah, that, that definitely fits my personality type. I'm a, a dreamer and a visionary, a go-getter and try to make it happen kind of person. Um, yeah, so, I've actually heard of yeah. these Enneagram <laughs> tests. Um, I had another friend, uh, Stacy Renard, who told me about them and she tried to call out my personality. And I think she was close because I did the test, but I, I don't remember the numbers. I just uh, thought it was interesting, but it didn't really go anywhere for me. It's it's interesting that you're willing to admit that you like attention because I agree with you. It's not a bad trait. I think it's kind of the way you are and it's the way I am. It's like we're storytellers and we'd like to be at the campfire, you know, telling a story and we'd like to have some mm -hmm. people around the fire listening to us. Yeah. It's like a natural yeah. uh it's a natural disposition to want to have people paying attention to you and people who aren't like that don't understand mm -hmm. it. Um, it's not all bad no. to want some attention. It's, I think the motivation for wanting attention, if you want attention just for the sake of attention, or if you're like yourself, you want the attention because you're po posting things that people like, you're showing interesting things. You're making really, really wonderful artwork with your photography. And I mean, like I've seen your post too, like you're stopping people on your way home from something who are just doing a amateur photo shoot. And you're like, Hey, <laughs> Why don't I jump in there and take a few real, you know, professional photos if you're interested? That's my extrovert right there. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. Like I've seen you do that for some people recently. Mm -hmm. I feel like an introverted photographer, that would be their nightmare. 
Like that would be the worst. Walking up to a stranger, convincing them that they're not a creep, and and <laughs> convincing them that they're worth the time. Like that, I feel like that is the nightmare of an introvert photographer, and that's totally not me. Mm-hmm. I w- I like jumped out of my car and walked up to these girls on the side of the road. <laughs> it sounds really shady. Um, I did it very politely and carefully. I kept my distance and I, I didn't approach them, you know, in a weird way. Um, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's just who I am. You know, <laughs> I couldn't miss that opportunity. Uh, my creative brain was like you got to turn around, at least ask. If they turn you down, you can go home and know that you asked, but you got to ask. <laughs> got to try. Yeah, that's see, that's really cool to me. Like there's three, or, there's a few characteristics I can pull from that simple behavior. Number one, extrovert, right? So that you you are not afraid to talk to people and you like talking to people. You like situations involving other social beings. But number two is that you're generous. Totally. I think that you have this sort of, you know, proclivity to give and to want to help people. And I think that's a very good trait to have. Um, And then thirdly, you're very creative. The fact that you drove by, you know, a couple of girls taking some amateur photos of themselves (laughs) and that it got your creative brain thinking, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. it shows how much you're in that space and how a part of you that is. Um, And I feel probably two ways about that. Part of me is like, I identify with that because I feel like I can be this uh, in a similar way. But then I also feel kind of envious of that trait because I don't feel like I'm that way enough. You know, I feel like I get caught in my head or I get, I'm not very generous, mm-hmm. you know, with my time. And uh, so it's really, it's a good personal reminder to me when I see that it says, man, this guy actually loves what he's doing and he likes helping people. And he's, he's not caught up in the, he's not caught up in his head about it he's not worrying how is this gonna look or what's gonna like he's just doing it because he loves it you know well if i if i let myself think too much about it then yeah i'd probably like just go home and just forget you know try to try to forget about it but uh these girls were wearing these beautiful yellow flowy dresses and it was this beautiful green field it was even windy and cloudy it's like <laughs> Yeah, perfect, perfect for photography. You know, cloudy is good for soft lighting, and it was windy, so their their dresses were flapping. I was like, "Oh, this is just like amazing." <laughs> yeah, I should probably while we keep talking, I'm gonna like pull up some of these photos because I can actually show them because it's a video you podcast. Should. I yeah, so I, I actually have a clip. If you need to, I'll send you the file. But I, I did a little what I call I'm calling them cinema portraits, where it's actually a video, but of a of a portrait setup or a portrait framing of a person or people. And for these girls, I had them stand opposite, kind of like this, like, you know, one left, one right. And I just kind of slowly, uh, what was it? Not pan, but I like shifted my camera slowly this way. And I shot 120 frames per second. I'm super slow-mo on my camera and it looks like dreamy, like a movie. Like butter. It was so cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've got, I've got your Instagram pulled up. Would that be a good place to start? I think it's there. Yeah. Look for the girls with the yellow dresses. You can't miss them. Like mustard yellow. All right, so I'm going to pull them up here so everyone can see. Mustard yellow. Here we go, mustard yellow. So we've got these, <laughs> just a couple. Those are fantastic dresses, number one. Yeah, see? I'm just driving by. I'm like, what, what? <laughs> Couldn't miss them against that green. Yeah, some great portrait shots here. Um, man. And we did this in like 15 minutes. It was like super quick. Yeah, I could tell it's nice lighting up close. Is that video? Is that slow motion video on my Instagram? I'm forgetting. I'm just going through it. No, it's not on the Instagram. 
but uh, you might have to send that to me. On my Facebook. But I mean, like, yeah, I'll send it to you later. Your photography is amazing, and if people can see that, you can't you. see what I'm showing, but it's got um, an image with comp composite of Sophie Grunge's katana from Mortal Kombat 11 here. And so you've got these <laughs> yeah. extra effects and this person in the cave with the skulls and the blue light. I mean, it's fantastic. It's all fake, by the way. Yeah, well, well I, it's actually not fake. It's a it's a 3D scan of a Russian mining cave. Uh, so it is real, but it's CGI. It's a 3D scan. And I added the skulls. I, added, I made the chains. I added the chains. And I think that's all I did to that one. Yeah. We'll see. And I would have never guessed that. I thought you would have actually gone to some mummy's cave and taken that because that's how good it looks. <laughs> and we went to Russia. Yeah. <laughs> we got these Thank lightsabers. <laughs> Are these the ones? Three quality combat um, colors interchangeable with sound. You had done some labor lightsaber design work, no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a guy here in Texas. It's really weird. We connected online and then we discovered he was also in Texas. Like, hours away from me. So he owns uh, Crimson Dawn Sabres or Crimson Dawn lightsabers. Mm. And uh, they make, actually it's just, it's just Crimson Dawn, but they make, uh, they hand make custom lightsabers um, and uh, really good stuff. Very affordable, beautiful designs. And so I got to chatting with him and I said, you know, I, I've always loved lightsabers. I've actually designed a number of lightsabers just for years. It's like a weird little 3D side hobby I've, I've done. Um, some of them are for photo shoots. Some of them are just practice for my 3d program i use blender by the way mm -hmm. um and uh he, I, I don't know how it actually happened but it, i'm modeling lightsaber hilts for him now and they're actually working on the first concept um i call it concept one because it sounds like a cool car yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh there it's it's getting it's getting close to manufacture or production time so man that's, cool. that's so I'm gonna be a whole lightsaber that i made yeah that's <laughs> nuts to me like that's the dream does that make me a jedi i think <laughs> I think so because I mean you'd have to get the. Did you contribute the crystal? That's the they question. Make their saber. They do make their own saber. Oh man! No. But I, I can charge the battery that's going to be inside of it. It's like the crystal. <laughs> yeah, that's close enough. Really, bulb actually. For modern <laughs> terms, I, I'm still scrolling some of these images on the side. I I'm going to bring in one here for people to see. Um, mm -hmm. This is a, a photo of a registered nurse that you just did. Um, I think some graduation uh, photo, uh, pictures <laughs> Melissa, for her. yes, Melissa. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, just like some great, she just finished school and she's really creative very clearly. And these defibrillator shots, like that's incredible. Yeah. So that actually, this is cool. Um, every, every picture of these, if you, we could literally go through each picture and I could tell you a great story about each one. Cause it's just, it's all memories to me and it's good memories, but that one with the, the shocking paddles, um, we were meeting, we we're kind of do the consultation before the photo shoot where I try to like draw out of them what they love and like it possible, if, if possible, I'll draw out geeky, nerdy stuff I can, you know, like work on. Mm -hmm. If they're not geeky or nerdy, that's fine. I'll find something cool to, to bring into the photo shoot. And so, um, and I know she's going to be a registered nurse and I, I think they were, oh, they were looking through my cosplay sample album. I actually have a physical album with like my favorite cosplay stuff in there. And one was of a, a Raiden, a female Raiden cosplay who was, was like this, you know, Raiden's all about lightning, right? So I had a bunch of lightning going in between the hands and, and they were just like, wow. Hmm. And something, I think it hit me. I was like, shock paddles. Like, you yeah. know, you always see in the ER movies where they go charge, they room together, yeah. charge. The defibrillators. I don't think that's actually how they work anymore. 
Yeah, I don't think that's how they really work in real life, but you know, that's movie world. So uh, I said, what if we did a photo view with some defibrillators? Do you think we could borrow some from your school? And they're like, yeah, sure. Huh. Um, and they were like, that would be so cool. So it turns out they couldn't get defibrillators. Not really surprised about that. Mm. Uh, so I made those in 3D. <laughs> See, that's so, cool. So all of this is actually in 3D yeah, right there. She's actually holding like a lipstick and like a lip gloss or something random just to give that's, some space in her hand. That's totally insane. I did the rest. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you are like a top notch, like could be working for Weta type individual. And what you hey. do is crazy like there's there's so much like you just got to check out his instagram if you guys are listening because um daniel grove photo um is his instagram hashtag yeah, daniel and, grove photo. Mm -hmm. yeah and uh basically anywhere he's on facebook as well because mm -hmm. the quality is incredible of what you do and i can see why you're sought out by cosplayers wanting to get extra mm -hmm. special photos um and yeah just bringing it back a bit to the psychology part here is like it's crazy how high a level your work is and how how much you seem to like love it. Like it seems like a no brainer for I people, do. but for young people who, you know, are creative, but they're struggling with like whether or not to pursue it seriously or like they're caught in their headspace of depression of like, oh, I could write books, but I don't know how to make money doing that. It's like you, if you forget about the love, mm -hmm. you're not going to get you're likely not going to get to a point that is as professional as you beyond your wildest dreams, yeah. unless you follow this sort of love all the way there, unless you actually enjoy it. You'll burn out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Burnout is common in the photography world as is in all creative branches, right? Musicians, writers, you know, whatever physical artists. Um, I think burnout is common if you're doing something you're not super passionate about. Or if you get sidetracked by the business, which is may not uh, be happening, and the profit, which may not be there yet, uh, you're just riding on that, and you're just going on fumes, and you just get exhausted, and it's not fun. It's not your love anymore, and you'll burn out. Um, it took me probably eight years to get like decent at photography, where I was taking portraits that looked like how it should have looked in my head, and pictures I was proud of, and pictures that people would catch their eye and say, ooh, I'm going to write this guy and see how much he charges. You know, like good, good, decent portraits. Mm -hmm. Took me eight years to get there. That's really long. Um, I should have burned out <laughs> with yeah. like a year two. <laughs> Most people do. Two, three, four years in, if you're not making good money or good, you're, if you're not making any money or if you're not making good pictures that you're proud of, most photographers will just quit. Um, and, uh, and that's sad to me. I, I try to prevent that by, you know, helping them out. But um, my passion, my, my, my love behind it just kind of, drove me through that eight year sludge of yeah. slow learning. <laughs> yeah. And eight years. I mean, it's and, not and as I found if, my, and I found my passion. That's amazing. And it's not as if that's the only thing you had going on. Um, no. You've got a young family, right? Like you mm. have, there's other passion in your life too, that has been keeping you busy. Um, but yeah, it seems like you've so well fed your creative side all throughout. Tell me a bit about what that's like. How do you do that? Being as busy as I'm sure you are. How do you yeah? How do you keep it going? I am addicted to efficiency and multitasking, <laughs> maybe to oh. an unhealthy level. It's just <laughs> like my wife. It's like a thing where we both make fun of me about how I am so like into being efficient. You know, like I will do one thing with one arm and another with the other to do them at the same time. Uh, it's just how I, I what I like to do. It makes me happy inside when I'm saving <laughs> even half a second doing something. So where was I going with that? Um, 
multi, yeah, so I have to multitask and, uh, and I, I'm good at it sometimes. And other times I'm out of balance. You know, I, like the other day, it's been a really busy two weeks for me, just crazy busy. I've, been, I've almost had a shoot, whether it's video or photo or something else every night for almost two weeks straight, which is like unheard of. That's awesome. And, um, it's been really fun. <laughs> mm. uh, not for my wife putting all four kids to bed at night right. when I'm gone, but you know, it's been fun for me. <laughs> so it's been busy and a lot of, a lot of people are seeing this high level uh, online activity. And so I get more hits, I get more messages and more inquiries, right? Even just more comments, people that are curious about what's going on. And so because of that, I've been on my phone a little too much. So mm. I'm not, I haven't mastered this whole balancing family and balancing, you know, self-owned business thing at all. Uh, I, I have hits and misses. And, you know, a few days ago, it was definitely a miss. My wife was like, you can message them later. And I, in the back of my head, I was like, nope, but then they'll hire someone else. Uh, <laughs> but then I was like, mm, you're right. Priorities. Uh, family is always, should always be first. And my business supports my family, but I have to find this tricky balance uh, to where either I'm just doing family time during the daytime and I'm doing all my business and hustling at night, which is generally what I try to do. That's like the ideal, you know, situation. Hmm. Um, but when I get a comment, an inquiry or a message during the middle of the day, it's it's hard. You know, I'll, I'll try to answer it when the kids are occupied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's your livelihood yeah. <laughs> too, right? So it, it makes it tricky where mm -hmm. I find the same thing. Like what I do is videography primarily, which I got into from yeah. music. It was like, you know, making music videos for myself because I couldn't afford people to pay people to do it well. <laughs> so I just started to try to figure it out myself and I'm still learning. You know, I, I would consider myself probably quite amateur. Um, but the thing is I've gotten base level tools and learned to work with them. I got, I got a little off track, whatever that thought was, but oh yeah, since it's your livelihood, basically you have to be like on the hustle in a way because you don't know when that next paycheck is going to come. And if you have like some regular clients, mm -hmm. that's great. But then if, you know, if it's looking dry and I mean, like I was so busy, so busy, so busy, but you know, one of my biggest clients has moved on and now I've got this big gap that I need to fill. And it's like, yeah, hustle is an important skill and mentality that if you don't have it, mm -hmm. you feel like your family's going to suffer because you're kind of, you know, you're the man, you got to, you got to make some income. You got work yeah. to do. And that's that's the struggle for me because you do want to kind of sometimes neglect the kids to focus on the business for the kids, for the sake of the kids. But I think uh, the key here is probably just boundaries, good boundaries. Like yeah, you said, if it's working during the day, if you got to hold off on a couple hours and if, you know, if they're, if they can't wait a couple hours to hear from you and they're willing to move on that fast, then you know, maybe that's not the right, maybe you wouldn't enjoy working with that person. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yep. And, and to balance that, I agree with that. But the flip side of that coin is I have to say my wife is, has been very supportive and she's been very understanding. So sometimes she'll, if I'm at home, like, and I have, like, I can show my whiteboard over here. It's crazy. I got like 15 things on that I need to finish. Um, she's very understanding and supportive. So she'll take the kids out to the park or she'll call up a friend and go hang out there for two or three hours hmm. because she knows that I'll be here working my butt off, you know, getting stuff done. And, uh, and she's been, you know, she has, she doesn't complain when uh, I'm coming home late from a shoot. She knows that it's all for the goal, which is supporting the family and following my dream. And she knows it makes me happy, but she also knows it pays the bills. So that's that too. <laughs> that helps. But yeah, having, having a supportive wife and or family or partner is like really big. If you have the opposite 
it'll it'll just kind of drain it out of you and you got to plug that hole up real quick by something else so you got to be really mm-hmm. strong to counteract that but i'm lucky i don't have to struggle against that that challenge yeah that's my wife is, is awesome <laughs> that's great and it shows um and i'm lucky as well my wife is super supportive and as well she's on maternity leave right now because our youngest is seven months or so and in canada here we get these oh. nice long maternity leaves um so we try not to take advantage of them I know, I know. It's um, yeah, but she so she's home watching the family, and I'm able to work. Uh, my studio's in the garage, and I'm lucky too. Just with the setup within this last year, I kind of became a freelancer full time. And having kids around is very distracting because you and and maybe <laughs> maybe more so for some people than others. I know for myself, I've discovered that I'm. ADHD, and that's something that apparently I've been probably my whole <laughs> life, and it's been undiagnosed, and it's extra challenging for me if people are like jumping in. It takes me like twenty five minutes to get back to where I was mentally. So, yeah. having some space without children is really good to get work done, but there's always <laughs> going to be the the cross, you know, like the intersection where my wife is like calls me up in the middle of a work day for me. And she's like, I need you to get in here. Like the kids are driving me crazy. Like I yeah, please, I please help. Yep. It's like, okay. So then I come in <laughs> and tag and the part, you know, there's part of me that's like, you know, if I was working a normal job, street. yeah, if I was working a normal job. I wouldn't even be here. But then at the same time, it's <laughs> like, but I am here. So like what a blessing mm-hmm. it is that I can jump in and help her because she so willingly jumps and helps me too. You know, having a supportive yeah. wife is the best. And, uh, when you're a young creative person, there's also a myth, I think, whatever the whatever the field is, a lot of people think like you're not going to be able to make anything happen unless you remain single. Like you need to have all this time to do all these things. And I think that is so misdirected because having a family makes your life, it can anyway, make your life so much fuller. It makes your life richer in a lot of ways that it deepens your relationship with your creativity and for me, anyway, it made my time more precious, my free time more precious. So it's like it was uh, it made my free time more productive because I knew, you know, I only have an hour and a half here. So it's like I'm all yeah, focused. No Facebook. <laughs> yeah, all focus. No Facebook. Exactly. And that was a really good thing for me, too, because a lot of people I know when I started coming out with music and whatnot, people were really surprised at the level of output I had and particularly mm-hmm. my single friends. And it was like, well, you know, you've got so much free time. That's why you're <laughs> wasting it. And I've got so little of it. Take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, kids get older, it gets busier. And and then sometimes work takes precedent. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got my creative projects that have nothing to do with how I make money, but I want to f- pursue them anyway. And I'm just, uh, I'm glad I'm in a situation where I can try to achieve some balance. And it sounds, it's it's good to hear that you don't fully have it locked in because that means you're human and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like you then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm a bit of a workaholic and I'm, I'm definitely a hustling mindset kind of guy. Uh, with photography slowing down earlier due to COVID-19 here, um, you know, I had to find alternate ways to make up for that lost income. So I was doing all kinds of stuff. I like the 3D design for the lightsabers was one of my like seven. I think I counted. There was like eight different side hustles I was doing. One was the 3D design. Hmm. Um, I was making video. I made a video intro for another guy for his YouTube, which is 3D CGI as well. Uh, I taught high schoolers photography on Zoom. 
Um, That's cool. I forgot what the other one was. It was just like a bunch of little odd jobs, you know, and uh, it just never stops in my head. It's always hustling. I actually, I forgot if it was you on Facebook or someone else asked about the whole hustling thing. And I gave an analogy that I kind of warmed up to over the years that I, I think I came up with. I don't know. But I feel like being an entrepreneur is uh, and, and making your own business happen, make your own identity, establishing it and, and making the content or whatever your uh, product is, is like rolling a snowball. You know, it starts out really small and you mm. pack it and you're, you're physically working labor to make it bigger and heavier and denser just to keep it together. And yep. eventually you can start rolling it around and it gathers more snow. Well, the, the struggle of being self-employed and competition and supply and demand is like you're rolling up your snowball, snowball uphill. And it's really hard, but eventually you kind of hit, get over the slope and it will roll itself and it'll gain its own momentum. But you'll never get over that hump where the gravity helps you if you don't do the pushing first and the building and the, the, the non-fun, non-pretty stuff that doesn't make a lot of money. So it's like you're investing and you're putting, I call it momentum. You're adding momentum um, to this, this thing that you're building and eventually that momentum will carry you or carry itself but you'll hit other upward slopes. It's not like one challenge, you know, there's a challenge every week, every month, every year. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how I see it is you got to keep pushing and investing, but it will pay off uh, later. And then you'll hit a new level, it'll be new struggles and new, new benefits. Yeah. That's highly accurate for what I've experienced in my life as a creative person. You know, it starts with just a lot of hustle for a lot of no money. You know, you're just, yes. you're doing a lot of stuff. I would say for myself, you know, you said it took eight years for you to learn how to you know, get to that level of photography that you really needed to be. And for me, mm-hmm. uh, I would say it was about three three years for, as a producer, being able to, I mean, I've always been a composer, being able to like play piano and come up with tunes, but to actually produce in an intelligible way and mix and master. And I mean, I'm still learning lessons all the time with that, but to get it to a point where- yeah, You to, never stop learning that. Exactly. But to get to a point where your average listener- can put it on and then put on a track, you know, on the radio and not be able to tell much of a difference whatsoever to get to that point. Those three years, man, I was working like every day. I was just like learning YouTube tutorials, (laughs) trial and error, failure. I'm like, what is EQ? Like what the hell, why is people EQing all the time? Like I had no (laughs) idea that you had to equalize frequencies, all these silly little lessons that you learned the hard way. But once you learn them, they stick and there really is a snowball effect. You really do kind of, and for me, there was a snowball effect too. It kind of got to a certain point where I had all this skill set, no one to give me money for it, but then got the first client, you know, <laughs> someone point, someone, I was pointing a camera doing something and he had seen my music videos before and he liked them and he mm-hmm. saw that I was doing the thing. I was just volunteering and he was like, hey, like, I, I really uh, want to do some videos, like, for some realtor work or whatever. Like, have you ever done that before? And I was like, no, but I can I can figure it out. I could totally do that. And, like, <laughs> I'll figure it till I make it. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of that. And, I mean, there's there's still that. I mean, my one of my big clients here was, like, she, she wanted to do, like, a bunch of live streaming stuff. And she just couldn't find anyone who knew how to do it. And I was like, uh, I'll learn. I'll figure it out. Like, I can learn. Let me attack this. And problem solving is, I learned that that was probably yeah. one of my greatest gifts. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, making things happen and learning how to do a trade or like a, a minor, like a part of your trade is is a big part of my story too. Because a lot of times I'll do photo shoots 
And either the client will come to me with an idea they have. And at first I push back. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Or, you know, I I know how to do cool stuff, but that is a little beyond my ability Mm -hmm. or it's going to take so many hours. I I don't want to tell you yes, because I don't want to do, because I know I can't charge you $2,000 for this one picture, but it's going to take me like 40, 40 hours, you know, through design, compositing, all that stuff and the planning and the research, like that's half of it. So I can't charge what I should. So I'll, I, at first I say no, but then I start to think, I'm like, all right, all right, all right, hold on. Let's, let's just break this down, you know? And I figure, I learn a new technique with every like major shoot I do. I learn something new. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, now I expect my, uh, my pushback, but then I know the next step is acceptance. <laughs> and I go and figure it out anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's handy to know that you're, well, that you're capable of, tackling something you don't know how to do. I think that's another part of it is you kind of build up this repertoire of trial and error or or trial and succeeding. Like you know that you can learn. And once you really know that in your bones, you don't get intimidated about problems the way you used to, right? Like you're able to, Mm -hmm. people can approach you like, hey, you know, I'd like to do a photo like this and we need all these things going on. And you're like, well, I've never done it but I can do that because I know that I'm capable of learning. And it's like, if other people yeah. have learned how to do it, this yeah. means that I can learn how to do it. Yes. This is a really good discussion that I've had with my wife, you know, time and time again, we have very different upbringings. I had a stable home. I like barely ever moved. My parents never divorced. I, I may have heard them fight one time. Hmm. <laughs> very fortunate. My upbringing was very smooth. We weren't well off money-wise, but we had everything else. Yeah. And emotionally, though, my point is emotionally, I had uh, a really good foundation for believing in myself. And I was, you know, as a kid, as I was always an artist. I was always creating and making things, with, whether it was like Lego stuff or drawing. Um, and then when we got a computer, I discovered MS Paint. And boy, I just took off with that. But I always believed in myself and because of my childhood, because my parents and the attitudes that they gave me, I always believed that I could do big things. And if I didn't know how, well, by golly, I'm going to go and learn it and I'll be the best at it that I can be. And then I'll have a new trick, you know, a new tool in my belt. My wife is very different. She had a very unstable household. I mean, they were like pretty much homeless a few times, like shelters and just wild stuff. You know, she dealt with so many things that I never even knew about as a kid. Um, And she has also different temperament. Um, so she doesn't believe in herself as much as I do. She has a different viewpoint of what she can and can't do. Now she's getting better lately because she's, she, uh, just became a certified doula, which is like a birthing assistant. You know, you kind of help the mom during the labor, help you have the baby kind of thing at home or in the hospital. So she's doing that. So she's achieving things, which is great. Um, but she's, uh, it's just a different mindset of, can I tackle this mountain? For me, it was always a yes. For her, it was usually a little, you know, disbelief or reluctance to try. Yeah, see, and for me, I think I had a slightly different than the both of those. So my wife, she had, in many ways, a challenging upbringing compared to mine, as we we feel. And I had a lot of stability. But the thing was, I was told... You ever see Fight Club? No, I have not. You have not? Okay. I've done a photo shoot of Fight Club, but I haven't even seen the movie. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you got to see it. It's It's yeah. really quite good. Um, there's this scene in Fight Club where Brad Pitt's character, he's got all these guys around or whatever, and, you know, there are a bunch of shirtless guys having fights or whatever. And he's kind of, it's kind of turning into a bit of a cult here. But he he says this powerful thing. 
where he's like, when we were kids, we were told that we were going to be movie stars. We were going to be, you know, like we were going to be at the top of the world. Basically, we were going to be all these things. And you know what? We're not. We're just average Joes. We're this. We drive buses. We do like all these ordinary things. And (laughs) that hit me really hard because... I had this believe in me mentality too, but I think there was a bit of poison in that for my particular mixture. I had this, I believe, like almost like without question that on a subconscious level that I was going to be like some big star because I was very talented as a kid. And so I would, you know, Mm -hmm. do something crazy on the piano and they'd be like, you're a piano prodigy, you know, like, wow, like there's no end in sight. (laughs) And there was a lot of that, whether I was conscious of it or not, was going to my ego. It was kind of giving me uh, this sense of like, I could be anything. I can, I could be a great actor yeah. and like, I loved acting and I could, and, and I don't think I, I could never fail. Yeah, I could never <laughs> fail. And so then coming out of high school, you know, barely by the skin of my teeth, I came out of high school and I spent a couple <laughs> years just working in the real world and realizing that I actually have to work for any of that to become even a possibility, like I have to really, really work. Like I might be talented as all hell, Mm -hmm. but if I don't have the drive to grow, um, like, uh, that biblical metaphor of the talents, right? Like to invest these talents so that they can grow. If I don't have that mentality, they're not going to go anywhere at all. And so I feel like it was never any parent's intention or, or the world's intention, but I always just felt like, you know, Mine were the days of American Idol and all these things that it just sort of <laughs> it seeped into my brain a little bit of the, a bit of the poison in with that mentality. And I think a lot of my 20s were coming around to the understanding and realization that success isn't always that. In fact, most often it is not that kind of stardom or these great big mountains. But in many ways, it's like doing yeah. something satisfying, creative and interesting that you love and that brings value to your life and maybe spills over to some people around you. And that was, that was a tough, painful lesson, you know, for me because mm-hmm. I reality I, check. Yeah. Reality check. And, uh, I still kind of, you know, it circles back to the social media thing for me. It's like, if I'm posting something on social media, if it doesn't do well, if not a lot of people care, I feel, I can't help but feel sad about that. And, I wish I didn't. I wish it was just like, these are just numbers and who it doesn't matter at all and keep pushing. But there's there's a bit of resistance there for me and it's this kind of struggle. But the, the plus is that that does fuel a lot of creativity. Uh, you know, a lot of my angst, for instance, about this process, it kind of makes makes its way into my music as a rap artist. And I feel like there's value there. So it's not as if I'm struggling for nothing, you know? Hmm. That's cool. That's very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot going on in your head, you know, when you're dealing with this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of psychology, I think. Yeah. And, and, that's, and upbringing. And that's what interests me, like, the concept of the podcast in general is, like, how do you stay sane while being creative? Because for me, I didn't always think those two things went hand in hand. But, I, you know, as I matured, I've realized that when they are hand in hand, they're so much better, both of them, you know, like as a hyper creative individual, you can't help but be creative. So if you stymie that process, you're hurting yourself. And if no matter if you tell yourself like, oh, I I just need to focus on real life and not that, and you think like you're doing something good for yourself, 
if you're not being creative as a creative person, you're just, yeah, you're just adding to the problem. And I feel like you're kind of creating that insanity, <laughs> you know, but that's why I wanted to talk Artists to you. Artists are a weird thing. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> The, the artist, the artist, the artist brain is is such a strange mixed mash of of problems, but also <laughs> strengths. <laughs> it's like yeah. a combination of like insecurities and wanting to be validated and wanting attention, uh, which I guess could be seen as negative, you know, um, things. But then there's like the positive things, like you have skills, you're creative, you see things differently. Like it's like the mixed mash of these, you know, good and bad together makes this like artistic explosion yeah. <laughs> of creativity yeah another thing i think creatives have that a lot of people wish they had is vulnerability the ability to be vulnerable um because that's mm. something that i know for myself mostly comes quite natural like i don't like to be vulnerable all the time but it's like i can't help in my music but to just spill the deepest part of my soul yeah. into it and it comes out and it's like well if someone's going to hear it they're going to get to see a side of me that's quite vulnerable but I know people be, have, have approached me a lot in the past admiring that trait because it's not something they feel they have. A lot of people are very afraid to be vulnerable. And so with me not feeling like it's a, a virtue on purpose, but more a virtue by accident, I happen to be quite okay with being vulnerable. That's a cool mm -hmm. thing too about being creative. Something you don't think about is people who are willing to put things out there can shed light on things that people who aren't willing to shed light on can then get some understanding. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. I think that non, I think non-creatives, if they come to terms with it, I think some of them may be jealous that we have a way to express these inside things that they can't just go out and talk about your insecurities. It's be kind of weird and awkward depending on the concept, you know, the context, yeah. but we have this excuse of art where we can get this stuff out of, off our chest and we can express things and we can relate to people. We can like tell our deepest, darkest, you know, failures, or encourage people to reach for the stars. And it's something that non-creatives may not have an outlet in the same way that we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting too, is I think we both kind of naturally come into a distinction between creatives and non-creatives. And I know that that's like a, that's kind of a great, great definition, but it's like, I guess how I would define it is a creative person, or at least a hyper-creative person, they're the kind of people where they literally can't be alive unless they are, um, filling that cup of creativity or, or, or draining it, whatever it is, like, unless they're participating mm -hmm. in the, you know, photosynthesis, set, the photosynthesis process of developing and making something, um, taking the light that's given to them and putting it somewhere else, they literally just can't be alive. And if they are, they're a shell of a human. That's what I find, like, yeah. there's certain people who are that's just me. like that. That's <laughs> me too. And that's me too. And that's, I would say that's easy, easily most of the people that I have on this podcast are very creative people who are just, they, you don't know what to do if you weren't creative. Like, I, I feel I get bored, like, I get unsatisfied. Yeah. Like, do you feel yeah. like if someone said you had no choice but to just watch television shows and you couldn't be creative, like, hmm. how long could I you do? I do love television shows. I do love them too. I get a lot <laughs> yeah. of inspiration. Yeah, how but, long? <laughs> But how long could you do it? <laughs> yes. It depends on what the shows are. Right? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's like how long can you survive of, off of not doing what 
your creative outlet is, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not long, I, I would, uh, have to like leave part of myself behind to adapt. I would have to let go mm. of a big part of my soul and who God made me to be as a creative and as a creator and as an artist. Um, I, I've found, and my wife knows this, that, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not satisfied with life. It sounds, I'm, I don't deal with depression, thankfully, but um, I don't feel satisfied with life. I'm not happy when I'm not doing something creative. Mm-hmm. And during slow times where I don't have business, I'll still be doing something creative. I'll be learning more 3D stuff or I'll be learning, re-editing old photos or learning a new trick of the trade, more tutorials, whatever. I'm always doing something um, to fill, up that, fill in that gap and, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm kind of a little bit of a shell of a human, I guess, like you said. Yeah. When I don't have that thing going on. <laughs> yeah, and I think that people don't. Um, so you're very extroverted. I'm I'd say I'm quite extroverted. You do you ever feel like people don't understand you as a creative, or I wonder if maybe you do feel understood. Hmm. Um. I don't know. If- I don't know either way. I wish I had a great deep answer for that one because that's a great question. <laughs> but I can't think of any times where people don't understand me. Maybe it's because I have a very clear art form. I don't have an abstract type of style. Right. My stuff's pretty, you know, like on the nose. Like it's very clear, like what I'm doing, the mood, the character, the world that I'm in with, with my photography. It's pretty easy to understand, I think. So I don't feel like I'm ever misunderstood. Um, and a lot of times people who may not understand me that's why they're hiring me <laughs> because I have the vision or because right. I have the thing that they, whatever, whatever I'm going to make is they know they're going to love. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Good question though. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, it, I'm kind of thinking about how I might answer it too. It is sometimes there are questions that are, they're good, but the answer is mysterious in a way, I guess. What the hell was the question? Is my ADHD kicking well, let me ask it to you then. So you being a white rapper, do you ah. feel like people, and with your style being aggressive and fast at times, do you feel like people misunderstand you or think that you're faking or being weird? Like, what, what has that been like? Oh, see, that is a good question. I would say, <laughs> I would say basically, <laughs> I don't feel understood if I'm not able to express myself. And it's it's like a rare person who can listen to my work, you know, I'll pour every ounce of my soul into a song sometimes and uh, someone can listen to it and based on their feedback is like the level of which I feel understood. And there's, you know, you get a lot of like, oh, good job. Awesome. Yeah, cool beat. Like you get a lot of maybe simple feedback sometimes, but when (laughs) someone's like, able to connect Surface your dots. Level. Yeah. When they can connect to it in a deep way, that's when I kind of feel understood because they're like, oh, you came at it trying to tell this sort of story. And that's why the ending, you know, has some power to it because, you know, you flip this on its head. But when people are able to, and maybe the, one of the best examples of that for me was the Alita Battle Angel thing that I did. Bizarrely, like just a goofy mm-hmm. project where I thought I'm just going to be creative and not care two pence what people think about it. You know, people all around the world, um, though a few enough as it is, still a great handful, have given me very deep, thoughtful uh, comments Hmm. on that, like able to be like, man, like you understood the character on such a deep level. And because that's when I feel understood. So like, I think one of the projects I feel the most understood about was through this 
Alita Battle Angel thing because of if you just look at the comments, people are able to articulate um, an understanding of the work, which means that they are understanding what I was thinking when I was trying to put it together. Mm-hmm. But being like a white rapper, um, for a long time, no, I certainly didn't feel understood. People still to this day, like the way I talk and stuff, people are like, wait a minute, you rap? Like they don't believe it. It seems kind of a strange thing. <laughs> and it, it's, al- it's always kind of a... Stereotypes. Yeah, it's a fun party trick to pull on people where you're like, yeah, I'm a rapper. I've oh, got yeah. like 19 music videos. I take it actually pretty seriously. And people are like, <laughs> what? Yeah, that's, I've yeah, collaborated with Afro. That's oh. like me. I totally get that. So in high school, and even a little bit after high school, I did a lot of break dance. Oh, I did really? a lot of uh, hip hop, pop and lock, and stuff like that. B boy move, yeah, b boy dancing, <laughs> and I was really good at it. And so it was always, it was like you said, it was a fun party trick to, or you know, did you know? Or someone will usually, I don't, you'll know, go boasting about it, but someone like my wife or someone will bring it up, yeah. like you know, Dan, you stopped break dance in high school, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, here we go again, you know? Yeah. It's fun to uh, to just say, oh, here's this nice stereotype. I'm just going to push it over and let it crack on the ground. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting <laughs> is like, you know, in my case, I know that I will sometimes see people not act. They don't know what to do with it because they have a preconceived notion, right? Where they're like white, you know, small town Alberta rapper, not possible. Like they have this very clear, <laughs> very clear mindset of like. Not possible. Yeah. <laughs> So then when it when it kind of can reality confronts them like actually uh, I am an artist I'm a rap artist and uh, I'm a producer as well and I do my own beats and uh, I've collaborated deal with it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like this is who I am. You can almost sometimes for certain kinds of people just see them not know what to do with it that they'll just change subject. They'll be like, "Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Um anyway, like it's like they don't know how to interpret it." Whereas for other people they're like, "Whoa, really? Like that's really cool." So that's, it is a, it's a cool process and it's even cooler when you're doing stuff, you know, but the understood thing, I think on a deep level, I never truly feel totally understood and that's probably a good thing, but maybe a bit selfish. I don't know. Part of me thinks like, can we not understand other people? Can we not step into their shoes? I try to do that with art. I try to tell stories. Can somebody not have some strong insight into my character being able to, if they were just paying attention? And I think the answer is, yeah, I'm sure they could. If you were to pay attention to my actions, my music, uh, my art, my family, you would gain a lot of insight and be able to understand me. So whether or not, if I feel in like no one ever understands me, that isn't necessarily reality, you know? It's kind of like, hmm. it's a dichotomy, I guess, where I can feel misunderstood, but I don't know their, the reality. And the reality is maybe some people do understand me. Maybe my wife, you know, maybe some people who are very close to me. <laughs> and so for me to kind of go on with yeah. this <clears throat> sort of fake attitude of like, I'm never understood, I feel like, it's kind of self-aggrandizing. It's almost like I'm too special for people to ever get any insight into my character. <laughs> so far above you. Yeah. 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 So, I, but, but you hear people talk like that all the time. Like no one understands me ever. And I, I always think like, well, I, I don't know. I feel like if you, if you're open enough, people will understand at least. Yeah. Maybe they need to work on their communication skills. If no one understands them, (laughs) how are you communicating? Yeah. And that's, that's what's cool about being an artist in our forms, which they are different, but it's 
communication. That's basically all it is, is you're putting ideas, mm-hmm. thoughts, uh, something together. Yeah, emotions. Emotions, yeah. And then people can read it, listen to it, experience it, see it, and it speaks to them, you know? That's, I think, one of the highest praise, uh, one of the highest way forms of praise is if someone looks at a great piece of art and they say, this just speaks to me, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's what I I want to do with my work. I want to communicate. I want people to, yeah, yeah. What I do you totally? Yeah, I totally feel that too. Art, art is all about that communication of a human story or an emotion or an experience. And this is a little off track, but since you're a musician, you might appreciate this. I like rap, but I don't like rap or any genre that I don't know what they're saying. You know, it's like mm. if if the syllables that are supposed to be in English are going in one ear and out the other, I'm not gathering anything from it. I'm like, this frustrates me. I got to understand. Mm. Like, I want you to communicate to me, artist. Come on, you know? Yeah. So uh, I, I love when, well, I like when, uh, if there's words involved, I like when the communication is clear. I also love instrumental music because then it's like this more universal language. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm not saying this story happened with this girl and it was good or this this turned out bad. Um, it's like instrumental music is just like this beautiful, uh, I don't know, it's like this universal language of emotion and you can take and you can make your own story in your head. Uh, when I edit music, it's funny, I'll listen to music that matches what I'm editing. So if I'm editing sci-fi stuff, you know, Star Wars or sci-fi, you know, video game characters, whatever, um, or if I'm making uh, sci-fi art in Blender, um, I usually listen to stuff that sounds like the Tron Legacy soundtrack or synth wave nice. or trance. I really like trance. Uh, it's just very beautiful and melodic and simple. But if I'm editing fantasy um, or, you know, anything in that fantasy genre, I'll listen to like, you know, battle, epic battle mixes, mm-hmm. just like fantasy music. There's so many good continuous mixes on YouTube. It's I don't know who these producers are, but they're making some amazing stuff and like, you know, cinematic sounding stuff. I love that. So. Music yep. is uh, is a really big part of my creativity, actually. Yeah, well, and I know that you make your own music, like you said, and sometimes the videos you put on Facebook and stuff, you're like, music's mine, too. <laughs> and it's like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, like... Yeah, I... Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have a similar story, I think, if we if I remember your story right. I got into making music in, with Fruity Loops, didn't we all, uh, way early on, you know, like middle schools when I got into, I discovered techno, and then I found out that I could make it with programs, and that's where it all started. And so I, I love making music. I actually went to college for music, <laughs> music ministry, hmm. and I'm, I'm a musician alongside my visual artist side, and uh it's, it's beautiful being able to make music to express other types of emotions. And then they can support my visuals, which is really fun. Combining the two together is yeah. just like, awesome. I wonder. Not only did I not have to pay copyright, it's that just too, all yeah. my vision behind it. I wonder if you have similar aspirations as me then, because I think we're both, um, like a lot of people who are hyper talented, you know, like you have, are hyper creative. You have multiple level, multiple disciplines with some fluency, right? And, you know, Mm-hmm. some areas that maybe you're not so fluent. I wonder if you have similar aspirations. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Do you also want to make a movie someday <laughs> where you compose the score oh, totally. and you film <laughs> it, you direct it, you write it maybe? Everything. Yeah, maybe you have a supporting role or something in there too, like you get in there and act. I'll do the I'll do the I'll do the VFX and the color grading. See that? Yeah. <laughs> <And> the camera. <laughs> That's one of my I, things. I pretty much sure. have all the skill set to do that <laughs> you could yeah it's a shame we're not neighbors we'd be making a movie right now i'm sure 
Oh man, be yeah. dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I find like I have friends in Edson, and in this, it's a very small community. It's about ten thousand population. I am two mm. hour. I'm a two hour drive from the nearest city, which is Edmonton. Um, and I think that's about a million <laughs> or so. You're yeah. you're where again? I like, I know you're in Texas, but you're in like Yeah, I'm in San Antonio. San Antonio. I think we're like three million. It's pretty big. Yeah, see that's it's huge. one of the biggest cities. Three times yeah, the size of big. So Edmonton. I think it's wow. <laughs> it's massive. And and I grew up in a neighboring city, New Braunfels, which is now probably, I don't know, a hundred thousand or more. Um so I'm used to the medium to large cities. It's just normally hearing like a 10,000 community is just like crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that would be like. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> like we still have most of the things towns need to have. Like they're, mm. it's not as, I don't know. I grew up in the neighboring town actually, which is also about 10,000. So that's where I spent most of my childhood growing up in Hinton. They all sound the same. Hinton, Edson, Edmonton. But Edson is a, <laughs> Edson's where I live now. It's where I, I get a lot of work. My wife works here and um, close to family. And there are there's so many nice people in a small town. And yeah. uh, I'm starting to finally meet some people. And like there are creative types. I find that there's just this 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 kind of trend where people are in a small community. If they're really hyper creative, it's like they're attracted to the cities. At least in Canada, it's like you're going to go to Toronto. You're going to go mm-hmm. to Vancouver. Calgary, mm-hmm. like there's places where you're going to find more like-minded people. Yeah. And so it's almost like, but there are hyper creatives in the small community and I've met, I've met some, but it's kind of a different animal because there's not as much venue to do creative things. Like yeah. I, I have my home studio. Well, yeah, I have my studio and on the other side of this wall there is more studio space and I'm setting it up with some green screens and it's like this is a huge oddity cool. to have in a small town. Normally you'd have to go to the city <laughs> for that kind of thing, but I was very much like, well, you know, yeah. I'm just going to make it happen wherever I am and do the best, but mm. yeah, it's not like you can go out and you know, like, oh, I'm just going to go to the open mic night or whatever and we're going to We do have that in <laughs> the next town. They have an open mic night, but yeah. And that's actually where I've met now I'm thinking about it, a lot of great singers, you know, a lot of like local singers, teachers, people like with real jobs who just have fantastic skill sets in the creative sphere. And I try to collaborate with these people a lot of times. I've I've featured singers who don't have any kind of artist movement for themselves, but they're just really talented. Mm-hmm. And I like to work with people like that too, you know. It's kind of a... You should make a Facebook group community for them. That'd be cool. Maybe. Get them all in one place. It's not a bad idea. Like you got to live in a small town and you got to be creative, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, maybe that exists. Um, but though we come from very different worlds, like I recognize in what you're doing with your work, um, I have a very kindred spirit. And I, I think that that's why I look up to you so much and why I'm always kind of want to know what you're mm-hmm. doing. And it's been really interesting too, because when I saw you, you weren't doing videography. You were doing mostly f- photography. And I see you kind of branch out and grow and develop in this skill set. And I feel like when I met mm-hmm. you, I was more just music. And now I'm in like videography as well. Um, <laughs> We're going through different growths and phases and new new uh, expressions. Yeah. So I feel like we're kind of we're kind of wrapping this up because there's a lot of good juice here. And I don't want the conversation to be too long. 
because I don't want it to be like a Joe Rogan interview where I have to like listen to it over a course of six days, you know? I can't listen to that guy. It's too long. <laughs> I can't do it. If he's got the right <laughs> guest on, like if he's got someone real interesting and they pop up or something, I can do it. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it takes me a week or whatever. <laughs> I'll be listening just in chunks here and there. And most of the time I'll lose the thread halfway through because they're just so long. But mm. I wonder like, you know, my audience is actually mostly creative type people because that's kind of my audience is me and I think people like me who are trying to be more creative and kind of want that to be a center part of their life. At least I think for most of the listeners that I've talked to knowing that what kind of advice might you have for them? What's something that in your journey of life that maybe we haven't talked about, you can, you can impart a bit of wisdom and I'll let you kind of have the final point here. Oh man, put the spotlight on me. Uh, yeah, something. So will, something the will question rise. is advice for advice for creatives. Yes. For what exactly? Like, just general creative advice general, okay. to stay sane or how to stay yeah, sane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something like so that. So for me, um, Facebook groups have have been a big part of my growth. Um, I came across a few photography Facebook groups that just blew my mind um, and really helped me see that success was possible. And I, you know, I think that can apply to any creative outlet, you know, whether it's a group of musicians, I'm also a member of a big group for Ableton music producers. And I don't really actively make music, but finding a group that, you know, um, caters to what you want to learn is really big. Um, Another thing, aside from the online community, which is is great to have, unless you have local community, people that are into the same things. um, Another thing that would be good to do is to ask yourself why you're doing what you want to do and what your goal is you know like for myself um my photography passion my goal is to make memories that are going to last a lifetime um and then if it's a creative like a cosplay shoot then my goal is to make images that no one can get anywhere else and you know images that will transport the viewer to another world uh, or another story or another put them in someone else's shoes and make them think what would it be like if i was this underprivileged person on, on this other country or on this other planet like what, what would the future be like can we make it good or bad so that's my goal of my creative stuff is to make you think and to make you feel um so ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing and where do you want to be you know in five years and then what do you need to do to get there is it mark you need to learn marketing do you need to go to school for a business degree there's no shame in that in fact a lot of photographers fail a lot of creatives fail because they don't have any business knowledge at all they're just an artist they're not a business person <laughs> and true, that true. it hurts them very badly uh, so when uh, the photographer if you get a photography degree they don't teach you business they don't teach you how to price yourself or how to run how to do cost of doing business how to pay taxes you don't know the money stuff when you get out of college for photography and that's a shame and I'm sure it's probably the same for you know other other creative outlets too. So if you need to go and learn marketing or business stuff or money stuff, then do that. If you need to go and learn the technical side of your, your art, you know, of, of you need to learn the technical side of how to be a photographer because you're not technical, then do what you got to do to invest in yourself. It might cost money. It might take a few years to get there, but you got to put stuff into you so you can, you have something to pour out and maybe just to equip yourself to have the tools to pour out, whether whatever that is that you want to make. Um, and uh, I guess when it comes to money, you know, don't undervalue yourself. You need to realize that not every client or job or gig is for you. 
It's okay to say no to nine gigs so that you get that 10th one that is willing to pay you a full price because they know what you're doing is worth that money. And it's, it's going to be a customer you're going to love working with. There's so many customers that you don't want to work with because they don't value you. They want more and more and more and fix this, fix that, do this. And they're not going to pay you more for it because they feel like they, they, they want to get their monies out of you. You know, it's just not, it's a very one directional kind of thing. And it's not fair to you as an artist. So know your time, know your worth and, um, you know, charge what you're worth and also get, get someone to mentor you. Don't be a lone wolf. That was a big thing for me as well is get someone that's better <laughs> yeah, and that's friendly and that ha- has achieved something you want to achieve. You know, there's in the photography world, there's so many different types of photography. I'm not going to mentor under someone that does, I don't know, newborn photography because I'd like that. I'll do that, but it's not my goal. So find someone that is in your creative world or your creative industry rather that has achieved or is doing something you want to be in five or 10 years and see how you can learn from them, whether you're assisting them for free whether you're, you know, um, just doing odd jobs for them, paying for lessons, whatever. Yeah, having someone to mentor you is really huge too um, because, you know, you need the wisdom of someone who's been through it already and you can't figure it out all on yourself, on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch well, that, of random things there. <laughs> yeah, well, they're all they're all connected and that was all very good and not enough people, not enough people Thanks. really think of the why, like you said. Seems like you've sort of answered like the wow, the why, the what, the how, and the who, like you even need mentorship is kind of a good way to think yeah. about it. But I would just encourage. And the win is right now. Just do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I would encourage my listeners to uh, be like me right now and think about the why. Think about why you're doing what you're doing. And that's the root of everything. I would 100% agree. Because if you're, if you're trying to do it, if you want to be famous, for instance, if that's your why, Maybe you'll reach the end of that rainbow, but it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be so unlikely that the the journey's gonna suck. And you know what? Your journey might not even end there. It probably won't. So it's like if yeah. your why is be famous, well then just try to maybe get focus on YouTube videos that are like high viral. You know, like there's different ways to try to let's say get well known. But if your goal is like I wanna make meaningful content then you need to learn how to communicate that, right? And follow the steps of the journey. So yeah, Dave, uh, Dave, that's a great way to end it. Call you the wrong name. Daniel. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I really appreciate uh, having you on my podcast. Uh, this is this is really good for me. I really need to think about all this kind of stuff. So I'm happy to talk it out with you. And I hope I didn't take too much airtime because uh, I was trying to hear more no, from you. This is, I was, I've been looking forward to this since you, you know, we talked about this a while back. And uh, when, we, when we set a date, I was like, oh, it's going to be so fun. Oh, I don't know what we're going to talk about, you know, earlier on. But honestly, we could have talked about so many things. We have a lot in common. Yeah. Um, you know, our love of music, our visual art, our faith. Like there's so many things we could have just we talked about for an hour or two. So I, I really enjoyed this. It was super fun. And I, you know, the, the why of this hour and a half-ish is I hope that it inspires someone out there. I hope that it kind of pushes you over the ledge to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> and I hope uh, as gives well. You some, gives you some things to think about. Mm-hmm. I hope me mostly. So thank that, you. That it moves me and then everybody else that it moves. <laughs> yeah. No. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you later, okay? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found any of this valuable, please consider subscribing, recommending this to a friend, or leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you happen to be listening. 
If you watch this on my Servant YouTube channel or Facebook page, please leave a comment and share. I love to hear from my listeners and learn from them. Learn more about me at www.servant.com. That's S-R-V-E-N-T dot com. Thank you again for your time. Now go be creative and sane.